Welcome in and thanks for listening. This is WTOP News reporter Nick Ainelli. Today we're talking with Kevin Nally, the Chief Information Officer for the U.S. Secret Service, about how his agency in particular has used technology as it continues to develop to further the mission of the U.S. Secret Service and everything that that important agency does in the Washington, D.C. area and all around the country. So, Kevin, let's start off with you and your role within the Secret Service. What do you do and what is the Secret Service's mission overall, would you say? I'll start with the overall mission of the Secret Service. It's a collaborative, intertwined missions of protection and investigating investigations and protecting the financial institution of the United States of America. My role in that is I am an APT, which is Administrative Professional Technical. Uh, So we have 1811s, which are the agents. We have Uniform Division, which are uh, like our police force, if you will, and then APT. So my role as a Chief Information Officer is to provide the operational and administrative communications so the workforce can accomplish their mission, which entails operating and defending our networks. Uh, We're heavily involved with radios. And what I my overall vision and my IT strategic cyber plan that we update every year to take us out to five years is to provide a knowledge-based workforce that has the required information and data when they need it and where they need it. Personally speaking, working for the Secret Service, when you hear about the Secret Service, it sounds like such a prestigious organization. You know, everybody knows about it. Everyone knows essentially what you do. Can you describe what it's like to work with the Secret Service just you know, on a personal level? And uh, I, I personally would just think that it might be um, just a point of pride, you know, in, in life to work with an organization like the Secret Service. It's uh, an honor to come here every day to work and support the Secret Service. So I spent 34 years in the Marine Corps. I spent my last five years as a CIO of the Marine Corps out of the Pentagon. Uh, retired in early fall 2015, and then I went work commercial uh, on a contract for two months. In the midst of that two months, the Secret Service called me and said, hey, would you like to come for an interview uh, for the CIO? And I said, sure. So I came for the interview, went through you know, the process, couple interviews, uh, background check, et cetera. And uh, I took the job. And the reason I took the job is after spending 34 years in the Marine Corps, you know, I'd go home at night and I'd say whether I was deployed or doing administrative work or whatever, it's like I felt like I really provided value to something greater than myself, i.e. the Marine Corps and our country. so when I was working commercial, I'd go home at night and I was like, you know, what? I don't, what's the purpose? Um, so I took the job as a CEO for the Secret Service. Um, I got basically hired in September and came on to work in November of 2015. And I remember the first week I was here, the director at the time, he came into my office and he said, hey, I'm really glad you're here. He says, that just out of curiosity was this a pay cut? And I said, yeah, it's about a $17,000 a month pay cut. And he's like, oh, that's a lot. And I said, yeah, but you know what? <clears throat> there was no value in what I was doing before. So I really feel comfortable here. And when I came here with my background, you know, being a Marine, I didn't have to prove anything 
to anybody. I was well accepted, well integrated into the mission set, and just I felt comfortable since then up until this day. And it's just an extremely professional, precise workforce. Well said, Kevin. Thank you so much for that. Uh, and, you know, when we talk about your job there, the Secret Service, and the kind of technology you, you use, um, I just think about what we as civilians are using, smartphone technology. We use that every day, and that is developing so quickly and becoming so much more advanced. Are you able to describe some of the tools the Secret Service uses and how they are changing with the help of technology as time goes on? Yes. When I got here, we were using Windows phones, um, and that wasn't providing much capability for the operators. So we kind of did a bake-off between other smartphones, and we chose the iPhone, the Apple iPhone, and the workforce was extremely happy with that. I would say especially the younger generation because that's what you know they grew up with. Um, so my philosophy and what my workforce knows is we develop our app, apps, applications in-house. We develop probably 95% of our systems that support Secret Service in-house. And my philosophy is we develop it, it's got to be functional, and it's got to be able to work on the iPhone. And the reason I say that, Nick, is because the agents and the uniform division officers on their day-to-day work, they're not walking around with an, an iPad or a laptop or a computer, okay? And rarely are they sitting at a desk. So they have to have access to everything that I have access to on my desktop. Um, and we put those out there on the iPhone, and uh, it's just made a huge difference. A huge difference operationally and for morale. You say that you develop apps in-house. Does that mean that the Secret Service uh, works with like uh, tech companies, or does the Secret Service uh, literally develop this stuff within the Secret Service? Literally, we develop in-house in the Secret Ser- within the Secret Service. However, I'll caveat that by saying we do have contractors that assist us, but they work for us. So maybe the Secret Service has a, a tech component like that, that many people may not even be aware of, in addition to everything else the Secret Service does. Correct. So I have a gentleman that's my leader. I have six divisions. He's my leader, and we call it Software Solutions. And that's his job uh, on a day-to-day basis to make sure that we have the required apps and systems to support the the workforce, and that it goes through a cybersecurity process, too, before we um, actually download it to their iPhones. And on the government iPhones, <clears throat> no one in the Secret Service can go to an app store and say, oh, I like this app. I'm going to download it. Uh, can't, you can't do that. I hope that answers that question. Yeah, I was thinking that <clears throat> it must be, and you, you must have some pretty strict rules for, as you just said, what you can and can't put on your iPhone when you work within the Secret Service. You probably lay out all those rules and you know, people have to be really careful about that. Let's talk about how the Secret Service is able to work with state and local agencies. Um, we we talked with NCIS for this project, and they were explaining how it's so important to keep the lines of communication open with state and local entities. 
because not every day do you need to respond to a situation, but when you do need to respond, having those relationships is so important. Can you describe the importance of that relationship and keeping that open with state and local agencies? Yes. The Secret Service agents and the Uniform Division actually work with state, local, and federal law enforcement agencies. Uh, I'll use the metropolitan uh, area here within D.C., uh, within the MPD and the Capitol Police. So radio-wise, we're interoperable. We can talk to them on our radios. We're heavily involved with uh, radios. We have a very structured, integrated radio network. so we it's mainly by radio and iPhone. Now, if we run into a situation where I'm talking globally here, if we, if we can't talk to a state, federal, or local law enforcement agency, we embed a Secret Service person with that unit, and they give us a person to embed with us so we can uh, talk. Now. Another thing that uh, has been really beneficial is we run NCFI, which is the National Computer Forensics Institute in Alabama. And it teaches, so there's a, I don't have a list with me, but there's a multitude of courses anywhere from two weeks to two months, I think, down there. And what we do is we send our agents down there to learn how to work, conduct cyber uh, investigations, mainly with the financial institution and, you know, these Bitcoins and cryptocurrency and fraudulent transactions. And that's, I'm talking globally, not just within the United States. Now, the other thing that we do is we bring in local state and federal law enforcement agencies to go to the courses with our agents and uniform division officers so the benefit of that is i'll use uh cleveland so you have law enforcement officials come in from cleveland they go to the course you have agents from cleveland that go through the course together or maybe not together at all times they go back to cleveland to conduct their law enforcement mission and when there's an issue about cybercrime or, you know, you got a VIP coming in that needs protection, you know, they pick up the phone and they talk to each other. They know each other. They work with each other. So that's proven huge. And I give you an example. When I visited down there a couple of years ago, uh, we also invite judges and lawyers to go through the several courses. And this judge, he was. He told me, I think he was like 82, and he said, you know, Kevin, this has been the best thing for me. He says, I hear these cases about cyber crimes, and I had no idea what they're talking about. He said, now I got a great foundation and understanding of what they're talking about. So this is huge internationally. It's really important to have those relationships. Can you just uh, describe in your own words uh, why it's important? to have those relationships open and ongoing with those other entities? Well, for two reasons. One, for protection. So say if the president of the United States wants to go to, I'm just throwing out a city, Richmond, Virginia, then the agents in Richmond, Virginia are going to work with the law enforcement agencies in and around Richmond 
and they'll do protection and work together in a coordinated effort. That's huge. The other is on investigations uh, to protect the financial institutions. You know, state, local, and federal law enforcement agencies uh, work, you know, crimes, if you will, white-collar crimes, blue-collar crimes uh, to protect the financial institutions. So our agents will work with them in a local, federal, state format, and then um, they get to know each other. They can pick up the phone and communicate and go, hey, Bob, this is Kevin. Uh, I need your help, or can you give me some advice on this? So it's really important. Uh, lastly, are you um, are you able to discuss 5G at all, just um, how it's helped you? If, if you're not able to discuss that, that's fine. It's kind of technical, but just wondering if you um, are able to talk about how 5G has affected uh, your use of technology and things like that. Sure. I, uh, just big picture-wise, we have 5G on our government-issued cell phones. Uh, so that has been beneficial for in terms of speed. Uh, however, from operating and defending networks from a cybersecurity standpoint, what I and my folks are always very cautious about, <clears throat> it also increases the speed for malware to get into the network uh, that we may may or may not miss so that's probably the two things one the speed's great but two uh it also increases the potential for malware to get into the network at a much faster rate without being able to be detected in a timely manner okay kevin nally really interesting stuff thanks so much for joining us today he's kevin nally the chief information officer for the u.s secret service this is wtop news reporter nick Ainelli. Thanks so much for listening.